Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Welcome to another episode of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. Really, there's never been a better time, I always say it, to invest in precious metals. And if you're still thinking about it, pick up the phone and give Legacy a call. We'll give you the phone number a little later. Right now, all you have to do is check out their website, LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. We thank them for their support. Coming up, Anthony Walker. Sometimes I float around Twitter and I find people that intrigue me. And this is one of those times. And I've been doing this series on faith, religion, however you want to define it or, or call it. I'm fascinated by people who have made faith an integral part of their life, so much so that they're willing to share it with others and not in a way that is preachy or trying to convince me, but in a way that is educational. And the reason I'm fascinated is because so many really successful people have deep rooted faith. And Anthony Walker is no exception. He is a contributor on the Jason Whitlock podcast. You can find him on Twitter, Anthony Walker. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Walker one Christian, husband, father, minister, friend. And he's going to educate us a little bit about Christmas and how we know that Jesus was really born to a virgin named Mary. I'm curious. I hope you'll join me. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity. With your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. I'm amazed that Anthony Walker has just 389 followers on Twitter. What fast, and I bet after this you're going to have more, but what fascinates me is who they are. D'Amico Ryans, Lauren Chen, Jason Whitlock, some really interesting people. Are you new to Twitter, Anthony? I'm not new, but I'm getting more active uh, at it. Uh, yeah. It takes some time. It takes some time and, and some right. commitment. And sometimes it feels like, what am I doing on Twitter? You know, right. But you have some important things to say, and I'm so glad you were able to, to join us. This is how I found you. It was on Twitter, Christian, husband, father, minister, friend. And I would imagine, well, is one of those the most important to you? Uh, in that order, uh, as it's listed Christian. in that okay. order. Yeah. Christian yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. When did you discover your faith? Uh, very young. I was, um, my father passed away tragically when I was two years old. And uh, I was primarily raised uh, by my grandmother. My mom went through kind of a 
um, depression in that season. And so my grandmother raised me and she was a lady of very, very deep faith. So my earliest memories uh, is singing songs with my granny, uh, reading the scriptures. She always, you know, did that with us. So, you know, early on, I was baptized at nine um, and I was leading songs in our local church at nine years old. I was so small that I had to stand beside the pulpit so you could see like people in the audience didn't even know where this voice is coming from. Uh, it was crazy. So I, I, I got used to standing next to the pulpit. And then about uh, 11 years old, um, I told my minister and mentor, he's still uh, very much a mentor and father figure in my life. I told him, I said, listen, I go to these youth events and youth church services. And I'm like, the speaker is 50 something years old. I know what he's talking about. And I can explain that to my age group. And so at 11 years old, I preached my first sermon and have been preaching ever since. So at 11 years old, you get this sense that you'd be a really effective messenger. How, where'd that come from? Do you think what? It was, I guess, from my study with my granny and just, it was organic. Uh, it was absolutely from God. Uh, I just knew, man, I was disconnected from the older speakers and I knew, you know, my peers, I knew how we talk. I know how we understand. And it was not just preaching, you know, at 11, it is, you know, teaching. Uh, my mentor had me teaching my grade level at our uh, congregation. So on Wednesday night Bible study, uh, I'm in the teenage class at 13 and I'm teaching the teens. Uh, well, the, was, what's interesting about that is, is that so often we look to elders for wisdom and for experience. And here you were teaching your, did, how did they respond to you? Because, you know, we're, I, I'm wondering if any of them were like, Hey, how, how do you know any more than I do? You're the same age I am. Well, it, and it goes back to the timeless nature of the word of God. Like the word is true. And so if someone uh, knows it, uh, speaks it articulately, uh, people are going to respond to that. So what they, my peers would look at is we're friends and it's like, well, if he gets it, then I could get it. It really was a benefit to everybody because people, young people began to obey the word of God. And you just said something that always grabs my curiosity. You said the word of God is true. Mm -hmm. Yes. How do you know? How do I know the word of God is true? There are several questions that all of mankind uh, struggle with to have to answer. Um, where did I come from? Uh, why am I here? Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, why do good things happen to bad people? Even the adverse of that. What do I do with my grief? Um, where am I going or what happens when I die? And it's God's word that answers all of those questions and gives us purpose, gives us meaning to life. And uh, as a matter of fact, Moses in the scripture, he says, not one word of all the things that you have promised, not one word has failed. So because of its uh, sustainability, because of what it has done over time, it's the truth beyond anything else that we'll ever know. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. 
With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Okay. One of the questions that I've often asked myself, and I have been afraid to say it out loud because it sounds, well, it's certainly a question out of skepticism, out of, again, how do I know? How do I believe? So Christmas mm-hmm. is the birth of Jesus Christ and right. God's only begotten son, and he was born to the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in this day and age, <laughs> if we had a, a young couple come around and say, I swear we didn't have sexual intercourse <laughs> and I'm just pregnant and I had a dream and I'm told I'm carrying the son of God, we mm-hmm. would be like, really? You know, I, so how do you, where do you go with that? Like, how, am I, how do we know for sure that this was all on the up and up. <laughs> okay. I'll try to take it from a couple of different angles. Okay. Um, at about 16, I go to DC and um, on a school trip and just joking with some of my friends, I was like, you know, do we really know that George Washington lived? And we were joking, but I was kind of playing with it, but really as a thought exercise, like seriously, everything that we know about him are based off what people tell us. Uh, we see a house and we say, well, that was his house. Or we see a desk. Well, that was his desk. But that's any house. That's any desk. You know, how do we know? It's verified by witnesses, by people who knew of him and, and they're telling their kids about him, et cetera. So in the same way, uh, the word of God, the Bible, yes, it is a book of faith, but it is also a history book. There are historical events that even people who without faith can look at them and say, okay, wait, this actually happened. So what God does in his word, which is very interesting, is he hinges the whole narrative on Jesus. The entire Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. Um, And so if I can, like a prosecutor, for example, if I can just prove this person was in the room, you know, if it's a hair follicle or something, if it's a, hey, if they were in a room, I can build my case off of that. So one particular gospel writer, uh, the gospel of Luke, Luke was a physician, but he was also a historian. And when you read the book of Luke, Luke approaches the narrative of Jesus as a historical narrative, not just by hearsay. Uh, He actually tells us in Luke chapter one that he researched and verified everything by eyewitness accounts. So if we can, and again, looking at what God has done through history, if we can look at this from a historical perspective to say, okay, Jesus existed, then we can zoom out from that. Well, if he existed, well, how did he get here? 
Well, we've got people who knew his mom and dad. They say Mary. Now, now if she gave birth to him as a virgin, I'm sure she's going to know that. Right. <laughs> so she's got she's got that dynamic. But then you also have people that knew the family, her cousin, uh, Elizabeth or her aunt, rather Elizabeth. Uh, she has John and they have an interaction together that knows that this is it. So we just zoom out from that. If I believe that Jesus exists, then I also have to believe that the virgin birth. But then I also listen to Jesus and Jesus verifies of himself. OK, God is my father and God verifies that he is my son. So with all of this evidence that just hinges off of the historical fact that Jesus existed, then that validates everything from me from a skeptical perspective. But if we go from a faithful perspective, for those who actually believe the word of God is true, then from Genesis, everything points to Jesus. The prophets who predicted his virgin birth, predicted the location he would be born, predicted his life that he would live. These were people that lived, you know, Isaiah 700 years before Jesus is even born. But he's giving details as if he saw Jesus himself. So even the word of God uh, prophesies and predicts his arrival and underlines it. And then his miracles. I mean, it just zooms out from that. So my thing was, you know, looking at the George Washington example for people that know uh, that he existed. We don't have any question. You and I, we don't have any question. Uh, I'll say this and then I'll let you get kind of back in. Uh, one of the exercises I had to do in college was look at. Julius Caesar and Jesus Christ. There is more evidence, archaeological finds, textual uh, documentation, uh, witness accounts. There's more for Jesus than there is for Julius Caesar. But no one questions whether Julius Caesar existed, but we question whether Jesus existed. So I go with the evidence, historical and faith based. Wow. So you clearly were born with a gift of teaching. <laughs> <laughs> because I was hanging on every word there. Uh, what I'm enjoying about your delivery here is that it is very, it's like very clear cut. It's very matter of fact. I don't feel like you're trying to convince me. I feel like you're trying to teach me. And this is really what I wanted from this. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to ask you about where we are now and and is there any kind of prophecy that tells us we may get another visit or anything like that? Back after this. Well, we continue to see the stock market all over the place, you know, some highs and some lows. And you think, how am I going to get stability? I'm losing money in my 401k, yada, yada, yada. Well, this is a lot like 2008. And back then, those who invested in gold saw some really significant gains and others simply lost their retirements. So maybe you want to approach this a little bit like some people successfully did in 2008 and look into gold. And there's only one person, one company that I trust when it comes to investing in gold and silver, and that is legacy precious metals. And why do I trust them? Because they want to educate you and help you grow and find some financial stability in the long term as well as the short term. But those long-term plays are important right now. You don't want to see your retirement 
dissolving into nothingness. You want to see it growing and staying strong. And gold provides a hedge against inflation. It protects against a weakening dollar, which is what we're seeing. So without further ado, give them a call today. Legacy Precious Metals. Be proactive while there's time. You can talk to one of their IRA experts, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. All right, jumping back into faith with Mr. Anthony Walker, who is first and foremost a Christian, but also a friend, a husband, a, a minister, and, and a child prodigy once, <laughs> <laughs> now a grown man. Okay. It's so interesting to, to look at the history of Jesus Christ and the history that you just examined. Where are we now? Like, uh, you know... Why did they get to have all the fun and see all of this? <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> why are we not getting to see any of this cool stuff? Like, you know, the, and, and, or, or is it ordained that something's coming? So it is. Uh, scripture talks about, and Jesus himself said that he's going to come back. Uh, and when he comes back, he will exercise judgment on the world. But, but if we look at who Jesus is, and what his purpose was for coming into the world, then we can ascertain where we are and what our response should be. So if we go all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, okay, they had a problem that persists in mankind. They, they had a sin issue and sin is destructive. The scriptures teach that the wages of sin or the consequences of sin is death. And so the only way that we can get out of this sin issue is that someone has to die. Even with Adam and Eve, you know, they were naked in the garden. And when they sinned and, and they recognized their physical nakedness, God covered them. He covered them with animal skins. Well, where does he get the animal skins? Some innocent animal had to die to cover their sins. From the grand scale, our sins will ultimately kill us, okay, if we continue down that path. And so throughout history, and this is Old Testament leading up to Jesus's birth, throughout that time, we were dealing with sin and God gives his law and his law was to get us to live a life that was holy. And we attempted as mankind, we attempted at it, but we still have this sin issue. And God's response to sin, I mean, he, he, he's, he's vengeful towards our sin. It, 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 it pains him. So the question is, okay, how do we go on living? How can there be a sacrifice for our sins? And what does this mean for us? Jesus answers that question. It is through his life. He shows us perfectly how to live. He lives a full life sinlessly, right? So it's possible to be done, 
but then he sacrifices himself to pay for our sins, all sins of mankind. And the only requirement for us is the adverse of what Jesus did. He says, I give my life so that you can live. And what we need to do is live our life as he would have us to live as an appreciation for the sacrifice he made. So all of that took place for our response and gratitude and acceptance and obedience to God's word. Where that leaves us today, you say, well, wow, you know, they had all the cool things. One of the things that the people that we read of in the Bible that they did not have is they did not have the Bible. They did not have the full story. They only lived by a part of what they experienced. Now, they were living what we get to read about. So we get to see the pretty much the entire story of what happened from from the past leading up to Jesus and even after Jesus. Now, there's a controversial book that's kind of difficult to interpret, but the book of Revelation lets us know that in the end of all of this, in the end, God wins. So obviously we need to be on the winning side. We like winning, right? So when we live as God instructs us, when we give our life to him, we become participants in drawing others to Jesus and to this life of godliness to be on that winning side. There will be a side that will not be victorious, that wants to live in sin, etc. But if we desire to live with God ultimately, wow, we're going to live as he's instructed us to live. That's the full narrative. So our response um, in those questions that I told you that we all struggle with, where did I come from? That's a question that we've got to wrestle with, right? If I believe that I, you know, evolved from some chemical soup and, you know, whatever was <laughs> left on rocks. And if I believe that, my life is going to respond to that perspective. Even when we look at how we deal with the abortion issue, right? If, if people believe that I evolved from just chemicals or cells, then when a baby is developing in the womb, guess what they say to that? Well, that's not a baby. That's just you know, chemicals or cells. But if I believe that I was designed by a benevolent, powerful, uh, all-knowing God, and I'm made in his image, then that means I need to get to know this guy, right? I, I need to, to figure out what this means for me. Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? If I believe I've evolved from something, then my purpose is just let me live it up until I die. But if I see that this purpose is bigger than who I am and, and I am a contributor of this ever going narrative, then that gives me purpose in every single day of my life. What do I do with my grief? Right. How do I deal with the issues that happen to me? If I'm just an existing group of cells, then, hey, I just keep doing what I want. But if I look at God's word and understand that this is a part of life, the adversity that I face in life are helping to shape who I am and help to mold me and make me stronger for a greater purpose. Do you see how this is just building on? So, you know, the, the Hebrew writer lets us know that those people that we read of in the scriptures, they lived for a promise that they would never see come to fruition. But they lived and they even died for expressing a faith that we get to express and live out today. So I think we're having some fun too. <laughs> <laughs> 
pomade products. That's P-A-W-M-A-D-E, paw, as in, well, in my case, Jersey's paws. My dog is very quiet today, but he has really been benefiting from this the pomade products that we are using. So, you know, you hear Jersey a lot during the podcast when he decides to make his voice heard. But recently I started giving him supplements and I've already started seeing happier, happier puppy. So um, why did I choose to supplement his diet? Well, it's like my own diet. I supplement it and I care about this dog and I want him to be healthy. And supplements from pomade do the same thing to pet food that they do to human food these days. They, you know, look, a lot of the dog food out there is stripped of all the vitamins, the minerals, the, the nutrients that your dog needs to stay healthy. So you don't want your dog suffering because of a poor diet. And the dog can't tell you, hey, <laughs> I think I'm not getting what I need. So you want to avoid that. So there's this longevity formula from Pomade, the longevity formula. It's an all-natural health supplement made with 23 dog-friendly superfoods to keep your pup healthy and strong. Veterinarian-approved longevity formula boosts nutrient intake. It protects against toxins and it guards against premature aging, which makes me want to take it too. But that's important because aside from poor diet, toxins like pesticides, mold, and air pollution, those could all harm your pup's health. But Longevity Formula contains special toxin-fighting nutrients to protect your dog so they can live a long, happy life right by your side. And these include premium quality superfoods like organic mushrooms, kelp, goji berry, two kinds of probiotics, and many more. Right now, there's a limited time offer exclusively for you, our listeners. For every purchase of Longevity Formula, you'll receive a free bottle of Pomade's Hip and Joint Formula too. So to claim your offer, go to pomade.com slash sideline. Pomade.com slash sideline. That's P-A-W-M-A-D-E dot com slash sideline. Make you and your pup healthier and happier. Well, you definitely are. Um, yeah. You have found your purpose. When you mm -hmm. encounter people who don't feel a purpose or who don't quite get their purpose, mm -hmm. how it, the message you just gave to us was very powerful. I'm, I'm in a good position to receive it. Not everyone is. Sure. How, do you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with someone who's a non-believer, who hasn't found purpose, and they just sort of are coasting through life. I tend to take uh, somewhat of a Socratic method. I tend to ask questions a lot of times. And so when I take people and, and this is not just with, you know, non-believers, there are you know young people who may attend a church, but even still that hasn't really sunk into them what I'm here for, what I'm ultimately trying to do. So I'll ask some questions about, OK, what are we what are you doing? You know, what, what is life about? And as people begin to grapple with that, what do you like to do? Right. Uh, the scriptures would help us to understand that God, when he made us, um, he, he told Jeremiah this. He took him to a potter's house and he says, Jeremiah, I want you to look and see what the potter is doing. When a potter is making a piece of pottery, he doesn't just form something and then later on looks back and says, well, I guess that's going to be a vase or a bowl. As he's making it, as he's designing it, he's designing form and function at the same time. We were made in the same way. God didn't just make 
a human being and then look back and say, well, I guess I'll give her this gift or I guess I'll give him. No, he's gifted us and purposed us as he made us. Our whole life is centered around the gifts that he's given us. We were designed for a purpose and the purpose he has for us. So when we look at, I often look at people's gifting. Okay, Why do you have this particular gift? And that gift usually ties directly into the purpose. And then, you know, for even adults, I'll look at them and, you know, they may have the same question. I'll say, look, if you're satisfied with life being about, you know, going to school to get a good job, to make money, to buy things that you like and to buy a nice home and car that you're going to have to pay for, which you'll go back to work to make money, to pay for the, if you're, if you're okay with that cycle and that when you die, that's just it, then life is going to seem very meaningless to you because at, at some point you're going to leave this earth. What happens to your family when you're gone? And what about legacy? And what about all of this? But when we look at what God's word tells me, and I, again, I, there's the word is full of truth, right? I'll engage with, well, hey, God has a design for this. God has an answer for all the questions that you may have. And I'll inquire and I'll, I'll ask them, hey, why don't you read this? Why don't you give it a try? I literally just a month ago sat with a young man who's struggling with this. And I said, listen, I believe in this word. You may not. But I said, I don't need you to believe based on what I'm telling you. Believe on what the word reveals to you. So I said, commit yourself to studying this. You've committed yourself to school and you study that. Commit yourself to studying one book. Just read it. Focus on it. If it doesn't answer or if it does, go further. And as the more and more they read God's word, the more and more it will pique their interest and they'll start to see what God has designed for his word to do. So the Bible can be really intimidating. Mm-hmm. It is a big, heavy, important book. It it uses language that we don't necessarily utilize in this day and age. When you present the Bible to someone, I, I, I know for me, it's an intimidating thing to look at and to decide where to begin. Do I just start at the beginning? How do you, what do you tell people? So yeah, it's, it's, it's a deep book. Um, I, like I said, I don't, I don't have them read it all in one setting. Um, I do have them to break it down. I teach a class at my church, um, on how to study the Bible. Uh, it's a book that was written over 1600 years, uh, by 40 different men inspired by God in three different languages. And so the languages, if you don't speak Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew, then we need to find a way to get that language to what we do speak. And translators have done that. The most popular uh, and first most popular translation would be the King James translation. Well, that's mm-hmm. was made in 1611. No one speaks that old English today. But there are translations that have a more modern language that speaks to what the text actually says. So some of them are word for word, taking a literal Hebrew word and finding the English equivalent. And some are more thought for thought. So we look at what the verse is saying, and then we translate that into a more modern English context that we can understand. So I often encourage people to find a translation that reads 
uh, to your liking, that you can understand it. At least we can get that far. And then I give kind of a basic overview of what the narrative is, because it's a it's a book of books. It's a huge collection. Uh, but, but some of the easier and simpler books are the Gospels in the New Testament. Uh, they're basically written in narrative form. So if you can read a biography, you could read the narrative of the life of Jesus. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The last thing I want to ask you about is good versus evil, because there Mm -hmm. is true evil. We see it all the time. And I think that's why so many people are reluctant to believe in a higher power that would allow such evil. Because it seems to me, people who are truly evil, that they feel their purpose in life is to destroy or destruct or, you know, control. And it, 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 they don't seem to have a, a chance at finding any good. Mm-hmm. How do you explain mm-hmm. that? So the Bible does speak in that generic terminology of good and evil. And what you'll see in the scriptures is that the good ultimately wins in the end. To understand why God may allow certain things. You know, when I look at my life and I talked about my father passing away when I was two, he, he wasn't doing any crime. He wasn't, he was 25 years old. He had a heart issue when he was born. And, and, you know, at this peak point, and I, you look at how much, you know, uh, Young people need their father. Everybody needs their fathers and mothers. And they're like, why God, why would you allow this? But my life went on a trajectory that even for me was for the better. Now, who would have known if my father was still living and which trajectory my life would have taken? But all the points of my life have pointed towards what God has been doing ultimately. There's one passage in Romans 8 and 28. It says that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. So God has been able, not just with me, but everybody, even for you to take the good, the bad, the indifferent of your life and in some way work this towards an ultimate good. That's what God is all about. So in the end, um, I'm faithful according to what God has told me in his word, the good being led by Jesus, it wins. Okay, it, it may not look like it. And there are times in life where it doesn't look like we're in a time now where the world tends to grow more cynical, more evil. But there's so many good people, so many believers who are living for Christ and who are even sacrificing and giving up because they know 
what the end of the story is all about. So when I live according to that, it helps me to even process uh, some of the evil that I see in life. I would imagine that many of my listeners, viewers are watching this and they want to hear more from you. So how can they? So uh, Twitter, as you found yeah. me, uh, you got my Twitter link. Uh, my church website is highway231south.com. So it's hwy231south.com. But also you can watch me on Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Uh, I'm a contributor uh, on his channel. And we have a segment on Wednesdays called Tennessee Harmony, uh, where I will deal with a lot of uh, biblical topics and help to process some contemporary issues through a uh, faith-based lens. So that's another good place you can catch me. Anthony Walker, again, uh, people find him and follow him and listen to him. He, I find you refreshing and honest and straightforward and someone I want to listen to more and more. So thank you so much for being on Sideline Sanity with me. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks for listening. Be brave and do good. Happy to talk once again with Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. You know, I think it still is confusing to people, uh, some people, uh, as to why a precious metals investment would be a worthwhile one, particularly at this time when they're thinking, I'm doing all I can to put gas in the car. Why is now a particularly good time? And we'll go from there to how small of an investment is worthwhile for someone? You know, a great question. And I think the, the importance of why really comes into the fact that we have to save for ourselves, whether it's a little here, a little there, whether it's making it a plan and putting out so much paycheck, whether it's making sure we fund our retirement account, we have to realize we are responsible for ourselves in the long run. <laughs> you mean that no one else is going to ride up and save us, you know, on some white steed? It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. You know, the, and anyone who's promising to do that is getting ready to take advantage of you in some form or fashion. Yeah. And so, so if, if I'm an investor, a potential investor, and I'm looking at legacy precious metals and I'm saying to myself, yeah, I, I, this sounds smart. I don't have a lot to spend. What would you tell that person? I would say, do what you can. If you never start, you never get there. So the most important step you can take is saying, I'm going to take care of myself and my family. I'm going to make it a plan. I'm going to take action. I'm going to start in the way that's comfortable for me. That's the important thing. The first step is always the hardest. But once you take that first step, the second step is easier. And then you're moving. And then once you're in motion, it's hard to stop you. So that first step, most important step. I always tell people they can call and talk to an IRA expert or, or check out the, the guide that they can download for free, the investor's guide. What, what is the number one question that you get from people who are first-time investors? The biggest question I get, is this right for me? That is the question. And that comes from everyone. So, so everyone's asking the same, is this right for me? And yet we're all so unique. And, and yet it, it is a sound investment for just about any portfolio, isn't it? It is. Even though we're all unique, that uniqueness is going to tailor the way we begin the investment. Okay. But we're all in the same situation. That's the one thing I think we seem to forget in today's society. 
whether you agree with somebody or not, we're in this together. America is in this transition that we're in right now. We're dealing with the same issues. Some people like them, some don't, but we're all in it together, right? So the need is the same. How we prepare and how we invest is what changes from person to person, but we all have that same need. It's a great point. And again, I encourage people to, to, to just make the call, pick up the phone. That step is always the hardest. I'm not sure why that is in any kind of effort that you make in life, whether it's weight loss or exercise or investing some way to better your life. It always seems like that first hurdle is, is the challenge. Uh, but when they call, who, who are they going to talk to? Who, what, what's going to be on the other end of the line for them? Great question. You're, you're going to speak with one of our customer representatives and their job is not to sell you metals, right? We have a much different approach. We're going to answer all your questions. We're going to show you what options you have. And on the rare occasion, this isn't right for you. We're going to say this probably isn't right for you. Um, we have a gold company here, but you know, I, I say it all the time. What we actually deal in is customer service. We want each and every individual that calls to get the answers they need to be able to make the decision that's right for them. And we want to do that in a way that's not pushy, that's not salesy. And that's what makes my team so special. We care about each and every caller. And we're going to show you what options you have. And then you get to make an informed decision. So don't be afraid of the phone call. It's the best thing you can do. And this is why I am so honored and I feel privileged to be sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. They're the ones that I'm going to deal with. And I encourage you to pick up the phone, give them a call, even easier. Go check out their their guide. It's a free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. But as you said, Charles, pick up the phone. You're going to talk to someone who can answer your specific questions and get get the ball rolling, get, get started, do something that is a long-term play for your family's benefit. Charles, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's always great to be here. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.